Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hello, listeners. Hi. Another week. Another week. (laughs) And we're just going to get right into it. We have a returning guest, Caroline Hines. Thank you so much for coming back. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. So can you remind our listeners as to why we just love having you on? No, your background (laughs) in school administration. And then we can kind of get into why we wanted to have you back on. Absolutely. Um, so I am a elementary school counselor, TK through fifth grade in Sacramento, California, and I am actually a social emotional counselor. So that's my title. And basically, my job is just to support students and families. I really feel like I kind of have this job of also school climate professional in a way because (laughs) I feel like that's a big responsibility of mine is to make sure our school is a kind and caring place where students feel safe and, you know, included and cared for, accepted. So that's my role. And last time I was on, I talked about about kindness and all the things that schools can do and even families and parents can do to promote kindness. And if it sounds like she has a lot of roles that should take place over five different people, <laughs> you're probably correct. And unfortunately, we don't have schools filling those voids, although they should. We should be having all of these roles as separate people. And unfortunately, I think a lot of staff members at schools are required to take on just so many roles and then you get spread so thin. Absolutely. Yeah. Wearing school counselors, truly, I mean, teachers wear tons of hats yeah. and then school counselors kind of wear all those hats and then sometimes some extra ones where you know we're doing family outreach or we're doing community outreach so we often go beyond the school walls you know and have to wear those hats where we do other things in in the community beyond the school so it's a lot sometimes (laughs) yeah and I think all the things that you personally do is very different than what other school counselors do like I know that there's a lot of like high schools that I work with and middle schools where like the counselor like the only thing they do is scheduling and getting kids into classes and figuring out like college for colleges mm-hmm. it's not the social emotional side all they encompass and I think that that confuses a lot of students especially because they yes. think well I'm gonna I need counseling I'm gonna go to the counselor and right. they're not really helpful in all of these ways that you know so I know, I know not all schools have Oh, you, you know, Mm -hmm. so one of the things we wanted to talk about today was to how to get schools to get kind of you, um, someone like you into their school if they don't already have someone who fills those many, many hats. (laughs) Absolutely. So something interesting, I think I might have mentioned last time, but I'll mention it again because I think it's important. Something that a lot of schools, at least that I've had the chance to work in um, or had contact with, and my school personally does, is they separate out the roles of different counselors. So in our high school setting, we have 
social emotional counselors who just deal with the social emotional. Mm -hmm. We have our academic counselors who Mm -hmm. do scheduling, who focus on, you know, grades and students who are having academic difficulties. And then there's college and career counseling. So those counselors focus on, especially in high school, that counselor role is really important for helping kids, you know, access college and getting kids, you know, making sure they get their ACTs and their SATs and all that kind of stuff and helping people, parents navigate FAFSA and all the, but that is kind of delegated in our school setting and in a few other schools that I've worked in as well. The great thing about that and the important thing about that is that it allows counselors to not have to have such a scattered focus. We can be much more effective in your school setting when we are able to focus in and really you could then you can hire somebody who really has skills in that area. I know if I used to work in the high school setting as well, but I am not a scheduler. (laughs) That is not my forte. That is not my passion or my strength. So when you can hire somebody that has a focus or a strength or a passion in that area, also you have much more effective counselor, first of all, and then you have people who, you know, are able to really focus in on the needs of the school, those particular needs. And so I think a lot of schools, like you said, do have the academic or the college and career counseling, especially in high school where it is definitely needed. But what's missing a lot of times in high schools and middle schools that I've seen is that social emotional piece, which is, as you guys know, so, so important. Yeah. And we've talked about how there are certain teachers that implement that within the curriculum, which we believe should be in the curriculum as well. And and I can't even imagine just one of you at a school, (laughs) especially during this time. And that was one of the reasons why we wanted to kind of talk to you again as well, because we had talked to you at the end of, you know, the last school year, which was distance learning. And then here in California, obviously there was a push to return to Mm in-person. And so we just kind of wanted to check in to see how you were doing, you know, with this collective trauma that all of us have experienced and that many adults can't even regulate their emotions. You know, what, what are you doing or how have you seen, just tell us everything. (laughs) (laughs) This year, I would say, and I think if you talk to any educators, counselors, school psychs, um, you will hear the same thing. I think this year is a thousand times harder Absolutely. than last year. Absolutely. Um, I've talked to so many of my colleagues and really trying to pin down why it's harder. I think definitely think the emotional stress has sort of compounded at yes. this point. So, mm-hmm. you know, not only have we been dealing with the pandemic for, you know, so long, but I think I was reading something that was talking about our brains are only really wired to handle a crisis in short amounts or short bursts. And then after that, our brains kind of don't know what to do with these long term crises, this kind of never ending, you know, stress and uncertainty. And so I feel like a lot of schools and counselors that, you know, I have little Facebook groups. I have groups where where counselors are able to connect and just sort of share resources. But the one thing that I see everybody saying is that this year has been so hard. Behaviorally, I think students are, last year everything was new. Everything was, you know, coming back again. But it's still not back to normal. And so I think that I think for some students, that's hard, you know, just all of the changes, everything being still kind of different. I think it's hard for students to really settle in this year because there's still much, so much uncertainty. Absolutely. Um, 
And then with being back in the school setting, then we're having just the disruption of COVID itself with exposures and students having to quarantine. So Mm -hmm. constant flux of students in and out and and that puts stress on teachers as far as their teaching. So I think that gives students also some underlying anxiety because one day your best friend is here and the next day they're gone for two weeks. And so that kind of back and forth and up and down, I would just describe it as a roller coaster, I think has made it super hard. I feel students are definitely more anxious and remain continue to be anxious this year and I think this year just that stress so you know we've had this pandemic stress for so long I feel like it's compounding some of students everyday issues like I have have other things going on there they have health issues or they have other outside stresses and I think I feel like that they are having a harder time coping with it because we have this ongoing the baseline of like that, being that longevity mm-hmm. of us being in that trauma. Mm-hmm. And I actually yes. had seen a few people posted this on Instagram not mm-hmm. too long ago, but it was um, the last normal school year. Mm-hmm. And it's like for students yeah. in grade seven, the last normal school year they had was fourth grade, which Absolutely. I mean, that alone is huge. And like the last, like for fourth graders, the last time was first grade. And yeah. what a big gap for them, right. To go wow. from first grade to fourth grade, basically, with very minimal in the meantime. And I think it's those students that are the most critical, right? Because it's all of that learning to read that Mm -hmm. now they're just expected to read to learn and they didn't even learn to read. Yes, absolutely. I do feel with students coming back in the classroom and we're able to really see more, we are noticing that that gap. When I saw that, um, that particular image that talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. the last time we had a normal school year, it kind of punched, it was a gut punch a little bit because I was like, Gosh, because I I was thinking of my own daughter who is in third grade this year, and her last normal school year was kindergarten. Kindergarten. And that just hit me, you know, it's just like, what? And then when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that is right. And I think that we are seeing, you know, I would say that not everyone, but I would say that there is definitely a handful of kiddos that I think, you know, school is so important. They do have maybe some underlying academic struggles. And I feel like they have missed out even more just because of this. So, so, you know, maybe perhaps they would be behind or they would need extra support, but they now need like this intensive support. It's like even more, right. It's like we're dealing with that and defining regression, right? I think every child has regressed, but then Uh we have districts that say, no, no, like, you know, they either changed goals and the parent didn't Uh know, right? And so then it's Uh like, oh, well, the child made progress and it's like, we're just like trying to pat ourselves on the back without right. really looking at the root cause. And right. it's very frustrating. And, and Amanda and I have had mm. several times, you know, tried to pinpoint why, why is this school year so much more difficult yeah. and for a yeah. lot of our and- kiddos? They had to go back in person because the alternative yeah. was independent study, which or right. there wasn't an alternative. And you know what? I was talking to a parent yesterday who is in first grade, the kids in first grade, and we we're talking about how the school had kind of decided that well, for these first graders, we're just going to kind of repeat a lot of the curriculum from kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And so this is a twice exceptional kiddo and they're just like, she's doing fine. She's doing fine. Not realizing that like one, she's not challenged Two, you're repeating the same curriculum that she was able to access during distance learning. So you're not doing any, you're doing it a disservice, but 
we started talking about it and I was like, you know, this is something I am seeing a lot of schools doing of like, oh, well, we got to, you know, everybody regress. So mm-hmm. we got to, you know, make up for last year and the year before. But right, what is that going to do for next year? Right. Because next year, the expectation isn't going to be, oh, you're going into second grade. We'll just do first grade curriculum. And now we're a year behind every year. No, next right. year, it's going to be second grade curriculum. You're expected to be here. Right. And what happened to first grade curriculum? So now we're just going to be missing because there's no way. It's not like you're doing double time. We're not doing yeah. kindergarten and first grade within this yeah. school year. We're not doing extra work. So yeah. I think that's a component that I think teachers aren't thinking of either of like, mm-hmm. yes, everybody, most kids regressed or impacted. But if we just use that as a way to model our curriculum, it's right. going to be a disservice to all the students, too. Right. Yeah. Really taking like a full view of it. And I think some of our teachers mentioned and they had a really great point that, you know, they had that idea that, you know, here we are, we're going to be right here. And then they said, yeah, we had to really take a step back. But noticing, too, like you said, that there are some kids who are totally ready to move forward and be challenged. And so that's so hard for I think that's where the teachers also feel stressed, too. And this makes it so much harder is because they do see those needs a lot of I know a lot of teachers at our school and they're how do I support that student who is at grade level or above grade level and they need challenge and they need support and then we have this pocket of kids who is like so low you know that like they're two grade levels behind and then we have these kids who are kind of in the middle and I think they're really struggling because they want to be able to support all but it just feels like it's just a different time though like if it's not that's always we would always get that oh well you know, your child has an IEP, but they're not the lowest in the class. And it's like, that's not supposed to make me feel any better. I don't know why we're even discussing that, but that is not okay. Something that I've also seen is that obviously with some of the COVID relief funding, you know, Mm -hmm. there are some interventions that have been provided for all general education students, which is fabulous. Mm -hmm. But then the districts are trying to use that in replacing any supports or services that a child with an IEP should be having. So while the child can, or say, well, if they get an, I had, was talking to a client, a Mm -hmm. potential client the other day, and basically Uh she was told if your child, because the child was already in this, one of those programs, well, if Uh we assess her, she's going to be pulled out of this program. And like, you're just not, and it's like, all right, now we just got a whole new mess of issues where we're, you know, we're trying to use this to like help kids and push them forward. And, you know, the saying of, you know, we'll meet the kids where they're at, I think is impossible when the teachers don't have the right support and this whole idea like why do we need homework like I was getting into this pre-COVID but like right. now that we're in COVID I'm like why do we need homework for elementary school <laughs> so like they're already just like you know what I'm saying like and yeah I mean no, homework makes ugh. especially for our kiddos with learning challenges homework yes. especially if they miss a few assignments then they get in this spiral of missing yes. so much and I have several students that that's been a pattern for them over the course of their yeah, school yep. years. And, you know, I had an IEP the other day with a student and he's in high school and mm-hmm. they're just not willing to do anything different. And we're explaining like, this Absolutely is a pattern different. with this student. Yeah. Why are we adding even more anxiety yes. to an anxiety ridden? Like everyone's having anxiety. This should be something that maybe instead of saying we're going to you know, go back to what we learned last year or all this stuff. Maybe we should be looking at how can we revamp it to where maybe we don't have homework or we have a lot less homework and we focus on, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot in these curriculums that, you know, we probably could narrow down if we needed to get to the nitty gritty and maybe eliminate some of 
the unnecessary because it's causing an added anxiety stressor to all students, I think. Absolutely. That's what, you know, coming from the pandemic, it felt like we were having all these aha moments back last year where we're like, we can do this Mm -hmm. different. And I think some things have been improved. Definitely. I know that we've taken a lot of our parent meetings and some of our IEP meetings are small, you know, shorter meetings. We've been able to take those online and what a service. The parents love it. They're able to like, wow, I don't have to disrupt my whole day. I can just call them from work. So some of the things we have learned, like have made a lot of our lives easier, but I think it's definitely still, there's a lot of work to be done in order to revamp because, you know, I think I said this last time, if you do what you've always done, you get what you've always got. And I think that we have to look at the school year differently and we have to take those lessons that those ahas that we, you know, had in the pandemic and really say, okay, how can we improve school? How can we better support our students? How can we better support everyone, even teachers? How can we make this better? Because who knows how long we'll be having to deal with this pandemic, you know, who knows? I mean, it's finally pre-pandemic times and post-pandemic times, period. Like, it's not just like, oh, okay, here's a little period of time that existed. It it really, you know, and and Amanda and I had high hopes for, you know, this to completely rehaul education. And with this academic school year, just the push to go back without really thinking things through. And I get it, the Delta variant threw, you know, a screw into Mm -hmm. everything. But, you know, it's very frustrating because we had a working system that we didn't think we could work. And then it was just like, oh, no, we're taking it away. And like, I just, you know, once again, kids with special needs were just not taken into consideration, period. And it was just an oversight, I'm sure. But it's just like, yeah, but, you know, when we're trying to figure out we don't have a crystal ball but it's like why wouldn't we want to improve this for everyone why are we sitting here trying to just make the push for back to in person of course is medically fragile individuals including teachers that wouldn't necessarily be able to go back so why would we not you know and I you know we've had teachers call like I'm being forced to like go back and you know Mm. I'm medically fragile even though I've had the vaccine and like I wear my you know and it's just like they won't allow me to do a virtual. And it's just like, it's such a mess. And it's, it's I think that also that heightened baseline yeah. has been yeah. difficult. And that's why, yeah, we wanted to check in with you to kind of see, you know, how things were going for you. It sounds like your parents that you deal with are also more stressed. And I feel like Period. Yes, parents, yeah. <laughs> parents definitely are more stressed. I think just in general, I think they feel, you know, I see parents kind of feeling like they, you know, don't have control or they just feel like, you know, that I think they feel a little scared as far as like, you know, they're sending their child out and they don't, you know, they just feel, I think, or last year we had all this control and we knew everything that was going on. Right. We knew how our right. child was doing and now we're kind of sending them back. And the hard thing is that, you know, we can't have parents involved like we have in the past. Right. We can't have right. parent volunteers. I we know. can't have you know, all these different, you know, ways that we've involved parents in schools in the past. So I think that's been really, really hard. So I feel for parents, because I think they feel a little bit helpless right now. And then also for teachers, too, I just think that everybody has this sort of 
that feel a little bit defeated, a little bit helpless, like a little bit, what's next? What's right. going to happen? Mm-hmm. So I feel for them. And I just hope, you know, I hope it'll get easier. I have hope that, you know, maybe as I don't know if, if the vaccines do get approved for younger right. kiddos, perhaps that'll be something that'll help, you know, some things kind of smooth out, you know, as we go on, maybe the year, maybe the numbers will get down and things will get a little bit better. Yeah. Right now it's, I mean, I have to be hopeful that, you know, as the year goes on and, you know, the one thing I worry about is, okay, well, we're going back to normal and the idea of forgetting we're not at normal, Mm -hmm. you know, even though, yes, we're going to get to a point where kids are all in person, they're vaccinated, we can remove the masks and the, the screens and all of that. And I think when we get to that point, a lot of administrators and teachers and parents and, mm-hmm. and even kids are going to think, oh, well, we're just back to normal mm-hmm. and forget how much trauma these kids and teachers and staff has been yeah. under and parents yeah. and, you know, the regression that's occurred. And so I just I'm hoping because I feel like like we were uh-huh. talking about with like the start of the school year, we forgot all these aha moments. I'm yeah. really hoping that we don't forget what else we need to do because there's so much work to be done besides just removing the masks and removing these safety protocols. Well, I think also to go one step further is that whatever normal was before wasn't working for a great part of the population. And I think that is the biggest frustration that I have. Yes, of course, social, emotional, completely ignored right off the top. Like we're going Mm -hmm. back to like it was before and it was like, that's dumb. That didn't work before. And we have collective trauma here and you're just completely ignoring it. But then, you know, once we get to that point that Amanda described, you mm-hmm. know, why do we have to go back to the way things were? And just exactly what you said earlier, right? Where it was just like, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. And, right. you know, those results weren't very good anyway. <laughs> no. And that's what I think, you know, hopefully, like you guys said, you know, as time goes on, hopefully this will not be forgotten. All the lessons, I think, at least like, one benefit that I do see is that, you know, right now, well, before, at least before this year, there was a lot of focus on social emotional. Yes. Now I think people are kind of freaking out and, and saying the academics, academics, oh yeah. no, oh no. And so like Amanda said, I hope that does not get lost. Something that we do at our school, um, a framework that we use, and I think a lot of California schools use it, even in Southern California, is MTSS, multi-tiered systems of support. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are a little bit familiar with it, but um, we recently were able to get some grants to be because we began the MTSS process in our schools. And so the thing I love about MTSS, and if schools aren't doing it, then I would say if you're an administrator or whoever you are, find out about MTSS, bring it to your district, bring it to your school. It focuses on the whole child. And that's the most important thing, I think, in this. Like you said, we have collective trauma. And, you know, we can't, we're not going to snap back to normal. We have, kiddos are, we're going to have to be, accommodating and working through this right. for, for years. years and yeah. so yeah I think we have to focus on the whole child we have to make sure that you know schools are students are being supported parents and things like that if schools don't have counselors you know this would be the time to hire one because you're going to yeah. need it and Absolutely. I think you know hopefully we won't that won't be forgotten hopefully we'll continue to support all parts of the child Agreed. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely need to make this a regular check-in. Um, <laughs> yes, I would that'd love be that. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Carolyn, how can people contact you or reach out to you if they have any Absolutely. additional questions or concerns about how they can get someone like you at their school? 
Absolutely. Well, I have my Instagram, so that's period kindness, period teacher. And so I always talk to, I have a wonderful connections with lots of educators that I've been able to meet along the way. So that is one way, or you are welcome to email me. It's um, chines, C-H-I-N-E-S at natomascharter.org. That's my school. And I definitely, you know, I'm happy to reach out and talk with people. I love to advocate for the counseling profession. I think it's so important. It's getting a counselor in your school can be tricky. It's all about data showing that, you know, student support is important. Um, Working with, you know, maybe your district's LCAP or a different different means to show, you know, that there's other ways to support student success besides, you know, just academic intervention. So I'm happy to help people and bring a counselor to your school. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming and we'll definitely have you come back on soon. And um, we hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you guys are staying somewhat sane, safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.